0: Hey, Orthopreneurs, it's Dr. Glenn Krieger here, and let me tell you, the Orthopreneurs 2024 Summit, which is going to be on a Royal Caribbean ship, has taken off. I don't mean literally, but we actually booked an entire ship just for us. We started selling it already, and believe it or not, it's selling out fast. People want to come by themselves, people want to bring their team, people want to bring their families. Remember, there's a kids' club there, and there's also an adult-only pool, so you can watch the presentations streaming throughout the whole ship. Imagine sitting in the pool with a drink in your hand, watching someone speak on tips and tricks to help your practice get better while you're sitting knee-deep in a pool with a drink in your hand. Sounds pretty cool, right? Well, you've come to know the kind of meetings we put together, and this one's going to be even more exceptional and even more affordable. Go to opsummit2024.com to sign up now. I said I needed somebody who could train people how to monitor a dashboard perfectly. And that's where... I decided I didn't need salespeople because sales came secondary. I didn't need customer service because we weren't there yet. What I needed was somebody who was going to make sure we had ironclad systems, ironclad policies, and people who were spectacularly trained and hired not only for core values, but as we learned, the get it, want it capacity, right? The GWC. Can, do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have capacity to do it? And so I brought Jenna on and she became the lead director of training for all things remote response. This, this, this is The Orthopreneur Show with Glenn Krieger, talking about the things you never learned in school, like marketing, management, and leadership. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Orthopreneur's Podcast. Today, I have somebody who's very special and near and dear to me, uh, a friend, uh, somebody I trust a ton and who's been uh, really a big part of my life over the last four to six months. And so uh, please put your hands together, give a warm worth welcome to Jenna Glass. Hi, Jenna.
1: Hey, Dr. Krieger. So glad to be here and it's a pleasure um, being able to do your podcast with you.
0: Well, I, I know, first of all, to everybody out there, Jenna is a rock star. She, You may not have heard of her, but you're going to hear a lot more of her over the next six months. And you'll you'll see why as we go through this whole process. Um, number two, she doesn't want me to say this out loud. but I'm going to. She's really nervous, right? Because <laughs> oh my god! And it's okay because she's learning as we go here. Because sometimes, and and it's not just Jenna. A lot a lot of the times, I have people on who are such incredible wealths of information, and they're so good at what they do, but they're just not used to being on podcasts. They're not used to being on stage. But the information that that this young lady has. Is stuff that every one of us needs to hear related to things like team training, which is really something all of us could learn more about. And as you learn her history, you're going to understand why I have her on this podcast. So, again, uh, I'm so happy you're here, Jenna. You have no idea. And uh, I know how nervous you are. And I'm just thrilled to have you here. So I have to say that out loud. So let's start here. Tell everybody a little bit about your background and uh, and how you kind of ended up where you are.
1: Most of my family here in Florida is within the orthodontic industry. So that's how I really got into it. I'll start off strong by saying Amanda Floyd. I know probably everyone here listening has heard of her, loves her. Yeah. Um, she is my stepmom. So I've learned so much from her when it comes to... Um, starting from scratch, really, and just getting in the industry and and making a difference. I also um, Casey Tilly; she is executive director with Fishbine Fundamentals. Um, so she gets to do all the fun stuff there. And then my little sister works in Fishbine as a clinical assistant right now. So with wow. that being said, that's how your
0: family I- is all Fishbine.
1: Exactly. We all either originated there or are still affiliated with Fishvine. So you know, obviously it's a great place to start and whether you you know stay there or not, it's, it's really going to make a difference and open up so many opportunities. So I'm very thankful that I had the chance to work there. Um, I actually worked there for about six years, started there as clinical assistant, Um, From there, moved to lead assistant. So that's when I really started to train the new hires coming in and dipping into the training world. After that, for a short period of time, I was clinical manager. And then from there, an opportunity came up to become the clinical training manager at Fishvine. So what I did in that position really was oversee the lead assistants Make sure that they have the tools to train for success, and along with that, I also built relationships with the trainees, and just made sure that they were on track as well.
0: And and all clinical,
1: all clinical. Yes, I'm a clinical girl.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, this is one of those things that if you if you put 20 orthodontists together and said, "Okay, give us your hot button issues that really you would love to see solved," if you could. The first thing that I think everybody would say with few exceptions and fish is one of them is I just can't find anybody, right? I can't, I have nobody in my office. I can't find anybody to help just today alone as we're recording this. And this will always be delayed a couple of weeks just today on, on, on uh, Facebook on entrepreneurs, there were at least two people who I just saw post today. They can't get help. They can't fill in their office staff. Um, okay. And so that's certainly one big issue. And the second is, you know really good training of our teams you know everybody's looking for that one end all assisting course or some sort of protocols or you know resources that people can have to help train and so you know that's why I have you on here today I really wanted people to hear from somebody who trained clinical team members some of the best practices what did you find worked what did you find didn't work and so question for you I I have a million questions for you the first one I'm going to say is when I speak to Dr. Fishbine, when I speak to Ben or Amanda, stepmom, which by the way, she plays a role in this, all of this later. We'll get to her right. story later on because you you worked at Fishbine until and something else came along that sort of put you into my life. Right. And so we'll we'll, we'll keep the spoiler alert till later because okay. that's where it really gets fun. But you know, I know that Amanda's done an amazing job with what she's done as a right hand for Ben uh, to make. I, I she came on. I think it was like twenty three million dollar seven practices or in seven years it's just incredible what what they've accomplished is it true in both of their podcast interviews they said they really don't have a trouble getting team members that the team members who are already working really do refer a ton of existing so you can tell me nobody's listening but just you and me you can tell me the the secret okay jenna (laughs) is it true that they really don't need to advertise for staff
1: Yes, it's true. You know, I, yes, I had a lot of friends apply. I have friends there right now that, that still work there. Um, And then everyone there, you know, when they do have a need to get more team members, they just reach out to their friends. And that's what they like doing there at Fishvine is finding people like the ones that they have. So it works out really well. And um, everyone's always fun to work with. So
0: it's amazing. So yeah. at, when you left Fishbind in the last six months, how many total team members were there in all the practices? Roughly. Do you remember offhand? Oh
1: my gosh. Probably. I would say maybe 80 to 90. Cause I think now they're at like a hundred.
0: Yeah. I've been to the practices. I've been to Fishmind Fundamentals, I think three times now. Uh shameless plug out there. I have no financial interest in it. Uh if you're looking for a course that will just take you and your team and and to the next level, I mean for the doctors, it's a no-brainer. Uh Fishbein Fundamentals is remarkable. Uh our orthopreneurs RD group has gone just as a group, about 80 or 90 of us, twice. And to see them work and to see their marketing and to see their systems. It's unbelievable. And you might say out there that this is not your style of practice, right? Because it's a unique style of practice. I, I can't endorse it enough uh for what they're doing there and, and how they're doing it. And yeah. you know, my my question for you related to um their 80 or 90, how many of those were clinical team members that you were training? That you were overseeing basically?
1: I would say there's about forty-five to fifty clinical team members, and I may be completely wrong, but by Whenever I was there, I actually trained, I want to say 15 people. So that's the new hires that came in, completely trained them. And not to mention, they made it past their 90 days, stayed with the company for, you know, over a year. So that always makes me happy.
0: We're going to talk about that 90 days, by the way.
1: Other than that, I also, you know, kind of had an oversight on the lead assistants too. So, you know, there's a lead assistant per team. So there was about eight of us, not to mention helping the other clinical assistants too. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to take credit from the other trainers in the office saying I trained everybody, but I did, you know, feel like I trained a lot of people and feel like I helped a lot of people. So
0: again, another rumor, I want to make, you know, not a rumor. I learned this at Fishbind Fundamentals. (laughs) Is it true that when you have a new hire, clinical assistant, they've got 90 days? And if at 90 days, they can't be a fully trained clinical assistant, you know, maybe you move them to another part of the clinic that, that it's not going to be, well, you know, let's give you another 30 days and let's give you another 30 days and let's give you another 30 days. If, if at 90 days, they're not able to do the job with the training resources in front of them, they're not going to be a clinical assistant at Fishbein Orthodontics, correct?
1: That's correct. But it's not anything that I feel like they make a huge deal about with that person. So there's always some kind of way they can fit in with the office. Right. Um, the clinic's not for everybody and learning from scratch can be hard, you know? So it's, there's always somewhere else that they can fit in. And most of the time they thrive in that other position. Anyways, it's like the right person, right seat type of deal. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Look at
0: you pulling out the EOS.
1: I got you. I got yeah. you. The
0: entrepreneurial <laughs> operating system, which we'll get into a little bit later, but, um, Good pull there, Jenna. But the, the key here from this conversation for everybody out there is this, they're hiring for culture. And we've talked a great deal about that. Jenna and I have had many private conversations about culture and core values and the things that make a company go. And instinctively, or not so instinctively, maybe by on purpose, FishBine hires that way. So that what you said was, if they don't fit in assisting, that's fine you know, not everybody's meant to be an assistant. They'll find another job somewhere in the office because the core values matter more than the ability to do a specific job. Right. Right.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And the second thing you said, which I think will blow the mind of a lot of people out there. I knew it blew my mind. The first time I heard it was that at 90 days, they're, they're not an assistant anymore. Like if you can't get it in 90 days, you're not going to be given endless opportunities. And I can't speak for everybody listening. But I've had assistants because it's so hard to find a good clinical assistant. I've had assistants go for six, nine, 12 months just trying to train, just trying to get basic and and saying maybe these people do have three left hands and they're not able to tie and untie effectively or as well as they should. But I've got nobody in the pipeline behind them. Like I can't just say, well, let's move you into a TC position or move you into a, a greeter position because I've got nobody else to cover them. How much of your ability to get friends into the practice Do you think is a function of being in, and this is not meant in a negative way, smaller town America, right? You're not in New York City. You're not in Philadelphia. You're not in DC or LA or Chicago or Miami. You're in a, I've been to your practice, beautiful neighborhood, beautiful area, definitely a gorgeous place to live, but off the beaten path just a little bit. Do you think that plays a role in the ability to get people or do you feel like, this could work well in any big city anywhere where there's a million jobs available and a million opportunities for a lot more money.
1: I feel like with Fishbine it comes so easily because from my perspective as going in there from scratch, not knowing anything about orthodontics, they give people that opportunity. So they're not just looking for someone with all this experience, all of this knowledge or you know, they could be a great server at a restaurant and have a smile and have a great personality. And you know, next day they may be training in the office. So I really think it's just giving people an opportunity to learn. Um, you know, if it doesn't work out, maybe there's another position for them. But really just giving the opportunity to learn is I think the most important thing that you could do. And it's what Fish Find does for sure.
0: Awesome. So when someone comes in new, Can you describe a little bit about how you're training them? Because I've watched and I've seen your new hires 90 days later, and they're amazing. Like, I would hire them myself. Their clinical skill is excellent. How I know this is a really broad question, but how do they get trained? You want to give me like the 30,000-foot view of of is it videos? Is it hands-on? Are they observing? And then I can ask a couple of other questions.
1: So the clinical director at Fishbine, she would bring in the hires, they would watch, you know, the basic videos you have to watch when you first get hired. Um but from there she would assign a trainee to a lead assistant and they would try to closely match personalities at least based off, you know, the initial meeting of each other, but hopefully, you know, they would have that flow together from the start. From there Fishvine, I feel like, is known a lot for their checklists and their systems. So you already know there was a checklist in place. And that checklist was the lead assistant's lifeline when it came to training. That's one thing that I helped do whenever I was there was kind of update it, I guess you could say. So, you know, when I got there, there of course, there was a checklist, but after a few years of of me training and realizing I wasn't really following the checklist too much like we were supposed to, I'm like, hey, you know, let's let's think about updating this. Like, I think maybe we could change some things around to where it flows easier within the training period. Um, so we did that. But back to your question, that's kind of how the new hires work. So they or the trainees work. So they come mm-hmm. in the office, train. Follow the training checklist. And even throughout that time, um, the lead assistants will actually send in updates every week. So in the position I was in towards the end, clinical training manager, I would get those updates. So I could see, you know, what they trained on that week, any achievements that happened, or even any hiccups. And from there just learn if we need to improve anything, if everything's going good. And then, you know, at the end of the 90 days, the trainees that have at that point completed training for the most part um, would be watched and reviewed. So we also had another checklist that I created just to make sure they're hitting those main points when it comes to specific appointments and just to see how they work day to day and and make sure, you know, everything's going good and that they don't need anything, any additional training or anything like that.
0: So the checklist is just a list of things that they need to get done by day, by week, by month, uh, I assume, or am I totally off base? Hello, there, entrepreneurs. Sign up for the Orthopreneurs 24 Summit now. We took over an entire ship just for us. And here's the thing. It's selling out so fast right now that the room types are selling out. So if there's a particular type of cabin you want, you better get on to OPSummit2024.com right now and sign up. And why are people signing up? Because of three reasons. Number one, it's a boat, which means you can bring your team, your family. Yes, there's a kids club. And yes, there's an adults only pool. Number two, the lineup I have is going to be spectacular. These are not people you're going to see on any other stage anywhere. I dug deep to find the best, to help you live your best, most profitable, most productive, personal, and practiced lives. And they're going to blow you away. And number three, the type of cabin you want is limited. This is not a hotel where most of the rooms are the same. If you want one with a balcony, they're selling out. You want an inside room to save money, they're selling out. So go to OPSummit2024.com right now, sign up for a cruise September 18th to 22nd, And you will have the best CE time of your life. And now, back to the podcast.
1: Yes, you're right. So they'll start with week one. And it literally started with taking off colors and putting colors on. Um, One thing we incorporated, too, was working on a typodont and having that for them so they can Learn how to hold the instruments and and just think the little things like that. As they move forward, um, the training checklist kind of flows together. So starting with taking off colors, moving to adjustment appointments, moving to putting braces on, um, and from there. So yeah,
0: and how and how is this happening? Right. So Jen is hired. She's brand new. Never ever worked in the assisting world ever before, knows nothing about dentistry, knows nothing about ortho, which is very common for a lot of us when we hire. She's put together with a lead assistant who hopefully the personalities mesh really well. And is a lead assistant working a column of patients? Is the lead assistant working her through, like, do you have the luxury of not having to have patients involved? And the lead assistant is working with her on a typodont for a day or two, working on and then, you know, the, then the lead assistant, you know, works on a patient. And, uh, you know, you see my question, how, how does this person get introduced in the clinic? And as they're learning to work on patients, is it a separate training column that's a, a, a patient every two hours or three hours so that they're not rushed? Or are they being put into a main column with the lead assistant doing the work? But, you know, appointments are 30 minutes for this and 20 minutes for that. And I'd love to learn more about that. But, but generally speaking for us, the challenge is, I have, you know, let's say I have five columns and I have five assistants. Maybe I'm lucky I have six, you know, but one is out sick, you know, every other day. Uh, one's child is sick. So they're out every other day. Maybe one is left, right? So maybe I have four assistants for five columns and my lead is my fifth assistant. She's got to work column, which makes it so hard for me to train people because they watch, they watch, they watch. And when it's time for them to do, you can let them jump in a little bit, but there's less training and more doing, right? And so, again, I hope that helps a little bit with my question.
1: A new trainee will start, honestly, in the clinic right away. I'm not saying working on a patient right away, but they're going to be right there by the lead assistant's side, watching them, like you were saying. And after one or two appointments of watching the same thing, like I said, if we're starting with colors watch how do you, how we take off colors, how we put them on. That's the only thing you need to focus on right now. You know, focus on this as they watch that, then, you know, they would get the chance to do the appointment or they would get the chance to take off the patient's colors. And then the lead assistant would hop in and do the rest of the appointment when it's time to put the colors on that trainee would hop in, put the colors on, and then it kind of saves you time in that way. And most of the time, you know, if, if you're a lead assistant or an experienced assistant, you're going to be able to pick up the slack in a way, get it done a little quicker. So um, that seemed to work really well. It's just whatever you're training on, have them focus on that until they feel like they're good. And then you can kind of do the rest of the appointment, pick up the slack. Sometimes I will say that there were appointments. It was taking a little bit longer and, um, at Fish finally, kind of had a role for the us lead assistants um, to just hop in. So it kind of got at some point, if it started going over the time, we would just hop in.
0: You know it, you're right. It, okay. it, it it disrupts the learning process in some way,,
1: Yes. but it also
0: your first responsibility is to that patient to make sure they're not sitting in the chair exactly. for an hour and a half.
1: Exactly. And,
0: but, but again, going back to the question I initially asked, that new assistant who comes in is going to change colors. How do they learn what changing colors is? Is there a video they watch first or does the lead assistant just say, hey, watch me do this? And in front of the patient, hey, today I'm training Jenna. She's new with us. Jenna, this is called changing colors. We're going to go change colors. Now, here's how I take them off. Here's how I put them on. Or was there a video? like that they watched ahead of time or was there a type it on taken into a back room with them where they were shown, okay, here's how we do this. You'll see me do it in an, in a little while in clinic, which one of those models worked.
1: So they would just watch chair side that seemed to work the best also because uh, they would see how you communicate with the patient and have those conversations. You know, they were almost like a part of the appointment, so of course we would talk to the patients and exactly like you said, let them know, Hey, this, you know, I have so-and-so here with me today. They're going to take your colors off or, you know, they're going to put your colors on. And that's really how it was. And with the type it on, if for some reason, if in a, we got busy in the office or if the appointment, you know, went over and the lead assistant had to jump in instead of that trainee, just kind of standing there and maybe, you know, just zoning off, they could go to the tap it on, they could take off the colors, put them on, start practicing on other things too. So we try to have hands-on as much as possible because I feel like that's how everyone learns. Um, and it seemed to, to really work.
0: Yeah. And that's how pretty much, all, like you said, all good assistants seem to learn hands-on, right? There's, there's very few great assistants I've met who said, oh, just tell me. No, they want to see it. They want to try it. They want to put their hands on it. Um, so to recap, when someone comes new into your practice, they're following an ass- a lead assistant who's treating a regular column of patients. It's not a, a training column. And they're not playing on a typodont. They're not messing around with anything unless there's just a reason from a time perspective that they, they just want more training. But they're watching you know, me. I'm the lead assistant. They're watching me change colors, retie, untie, change wires, do all that stuff. And then They might come to me after an appointment or I might come after the appointment and say, okay, Jenna, next one. Do you feel comfortable taking off the ties? And your answer is yes or no. If the answer is no, great, I'll do it. And maybe the next one, right? And at some point they're going to jump in, be given a chance to to do the one thing, just the one thing. And if they do a great job, awesome. They keep doing that. If they don't do a great job, the lead jumps in and there's a little bit of talking about, hey, what can we do better? How can we get it better? And essentially that's your training model, right? Exactly. Cool. Cool. Um and so there you are you're in Fishbine ortho doing training for all clinical assistants trying to you know make sure that everybody's doing the right thing to make sure patient uh, new new hires are coming through the the funnel in a great way and um I decided I was starting a new company and um we'll talk about that in a minute and I said I decided that the first person I wanted to hire for my new company was going to be somebody who knew how to train because I thought felt that would be fundamental, somebody who was smart, uh, understood the ortho world, um, and really wanted to grow in the position. And so I called a bunch of people out there, and uh, one of them was someone you may have heard of, Amanda Floyd and Ben Fishbein. and they said we've got somebody amazing who would be a great fit. And that's how Jenna ended up starting to work for Remote Response and yeah. became you know you're essentially your title is technically right? Like director of training. Yes. That's your technical okay. title. Your real title is does everything. <laughs> um, that's her title folks. Um, let me give us some quick background to everybody. And then we can dive into this a little bit because I think, I think people will find how you've used your background so effectively, um, in this next stage of your life. So I, I was at the dental monitoring Meeting in March of 23, and I was watching everybody talk about remote monitoring because one of the big problems we face in orthodontics, as we talked about, is we can't find team members. Right, we're we're, we're short all the time, or people are out constantly. It's just a different work environment than what I remember when I started my career 30 years ago, and so. I'm outsourcing anything I can outsource because a computer doesn't get sick. A computer doesn't ask for a raise. A computer is always readily available or should be. <laughs> it isn't always. And so we've learned to outsource a lot in our practice. And remote remote care is one of those things, whether you use Grin or, or dental monitoring or a whole series of other options that are out there. If you do it the right way, if you go all in on it, like uh, my partner, Doug Shaw and myself have it avoids the need for you to have to have a full-time assistant doing the monitoring. Um, It's one less person in the office. It's less drama. It's actually less cost. And so I said, you know, at dental monitoring, I I pulled them aside and go, do you guys do this remote monitoring, like to monitor the dashboard? Because for those out there who don't know what it's all about, you know, patients taught how to scan. They do their scan at home. It goes into a dashboard, no matter who you are or what company you run. And someone needs to monitor that dashboard, right? It's not all automated. There's no such thing as scan and go on your next tray. Everything is monitored uh, for oral hygiene, for a whole series of things. And you have to have somebody do that. And you could say, well, I got somebody. But truth is, A, they're going to be a little less reliable. B, is the skill set you hired them for, the one that they're going to be able to monitor your dashboard effectively, right? I see that all the time. She's a great assistant. She doesn't have the communication skills. To pull off a dashboard, because that's where patients correspond through, and I've seen people who say, "Oh, I'm going to spread it among five people on my team," and now everybody's hand is in the pot on one system. And let me tell you, folks, try to track your lab tracking with five people running that show. Um, we all know where that goes. So I went up. I went up to the heads and I said, "Hey, guys, are you going to do this?" They said, "No, we're not going to. We don't want to get into monitoring the dashboards. We want to make the software. We want to do the AI. We want to do all the stuff." And that's when the idea of remote response was born. And I said, you know what? Like a call center answers calls, we can do dashboard monitoring less expensively, more efficiently, during more hours than they can, less money. And I said, I needed somebody who could train people how to monitor a dashboard perfectly. And that's where I decided I didn't need salespeople because sales came secondary. I didn't need customer service because we weren't there yet. What I needed was somebody who was going to make sure we had ironclad systems, ironclad policies, and people who were spectacularly trained and hired—not only for core values, but as we've learned, you know, the the get it, want it capacity, right? The Mm -hmm. GWC—do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have capacity to do it? And so I brought Jenna on, and she became the lead director of training for all things remote response. And what we do is um, we use folks from overseas to remote monitor more hours than anybody could. And my first question for you, Jenna, having interacted with virtual assistants from overseas, did you go into it with the idea, and this is useful for everybody out there, whether you're doing remote monitoring, whether you need somebody to do transcription for you, whether you need somebody to develop policies and systems, there's virtual care overseas in the Philippines, South America, India, India, where you can get some really good people. Were you worried when I told you originally that we were going to get foreign workers to do this job? Were you worried at first, like, oh my God, it's going to be a nightmare? Or did you say, oh, this will be a piece of cake?
1: I wasn't really worried at first, I guess you could say, but I was interested to see how they learned because up until that point, I've only trained in person, in office. and, And so it was... I was interested to see how it was going to go. And it's been amazing. They're awesome.
0: I know. It's what people don't realize is that intelligence crosses all borders. Right. right? It, it doesn't, no, you, you know, it's not like someone from that country is dumber than someone from that country, right? Um, maybe Borat, that- maybe Borat a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but the truth is, you know, intelligence is everywhere. And just because someone is from another country doesn't mean that they may not do the job way better, way better than most of the people you would hire. And I have to say that I was so surprised the first time I started working with virtual assistants about five years ago from other countries. And when I say assistant, everybody, I'm not referring to virtual dental assistants. I'm referring to people who are assistants. They can do checklists for you. They can run Excel spreadsheets. They can make PowerPoint presentations. They can do anything and so um, how did you train people remotely um how did you how did you get people trained remotely on the systems that because we developed the systems together we built everything soup to nuts with my partner Doug Shaw who's the clinical director for our practices helping make sure that you know the 1200 patients we're monitoring you know uh, through dental monitoring how are they being communicated with, right? So how did you train people who are not present? What were some of the systems? Feel free to talk about any programs or anything that you've been using.
1: First thing that I wanted to do was find a training platform to where I could add videos. We could have discussions, almost like an online college class, Um, something really similar to that. And so I found this really cool platform. It's called Talent LMS. And it's super easy to work with. The free subscription to it works just as good as the actual subscription. Um, But that's where the challenge was, like I said, is I've always trained in office in person. So how do I pass this knowledge on through a computer screen, I started off by doing PowerPoints, just recorded over, and then afterwards they would have a quiz, or you know they would even have like terms and definitions of braces or whatever it was. Um, and one thing I've been doing lately is attending webinars that Talent LMS holds. So, um, if I see one that stands out on how to design your training platform and, and things like that, I definitely attend that because I, the more I learn, the merrier, especially about remote training, you don't want people to be falling asleep behind the screen. So you have right. to include them and make it interesting.
0: Yeah. And so the name is, so this is done through, again, you mind going through the software or the app or the platform one more time?
1: It's talent LMS.
0: And which, by the way, everybody, LMS is a learning management system. It's a very common three-letter acronym that's used in the online education world. Um, Expensive. Do you know what it costs out of curiosity?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Like I said, there's a free version. And you can add up to five people, I think, um, for free. So five people can get on there and train. After that, I want to say it's like maybe $30 a month, if not cheaper than that. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not that expensive, especially with how much you can do with it. You can create courses, you can create a video right then and there. I've just learned recently, you can create assignments, but instead of it being like an actual assignment, it can be a survey or a poll and you can get their feedback on everything. And And so it's really cool.
0: It's pretty amazing the things we can do. And so to her credit, Jenna actually took on a whole team of uh, virtual assistants who now uh, are able to communicate on a dashboard as well as anybody native-born U.S. speaker, in my opinion. And, and why do I say this? Because we, uh, Doug and myself, now are we, we were running short on people, right? Our assistant who is doing uh, all of our patients, you know, we needed to keep pulling her back into clinic. And when you pull somebody back into clinic, it means nobody's communicating on your dashboard. Um, So if you're happy saying, oh, great, I'll pull you into clinic for the morning. And anybody who asks a question has to wait four hours for a response or five hours. That's just not acceptable to me. Right. People need to be responded to in a relatively shorter period of time. Um, And so in our practice, we took our assistant, brought her back in the clinic. And now our practice is being monitored by remote response. And so that way, sort of the concept behind it is, and again, yes, this is gonna be a shameless plug for it because I really think this is gonna change the landscape for a lot of people. If you're not remote monitoring, first of all, and again, I don't care what platform you're going on, I don't care if it interfaces with a remote response or not. Right now, we're working only with dental monitoring, but there's other great programs out there. You need to be remote monitoring. And I don't wanna hear you tell me um, I can't afford it, it's too much money. Uh, what it will do for your peace of mind, What it will do for your peace of mind, knowing that you can have an assistant out sick and you can still function the day because your patient load can be decreased dramatically. Now, my practice was never huge. I never saw more than about 80 patients a day. That was about my max. Um, I have a very large adult population, a lot of interdisciplinary cases. My average day now is between 43 and 47 patients, give or take, right? Maybe 50 at the most. I've lost team members along the way for a whole variety of reasons that I haven't had to replace. My patients are getting better responses and better care because they're being seen every week by a scan as opposed to being seen every eight or 12 or whatever number of weeks it is. Um, It really has changed the game for us. And I'm happy to talk to anybody out there uh, just about remote monitoring, right? Like I said, we work with dental monitoring at remote response, but I'll talk to you about remote monitoring all day long and tell you why, if you think I can't afford it, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Again, this is not a pitch for any one company I'm telling you automate and you will never look back. And and you'll hear people out there say, I got it, but it, it didn't really work for me. Yeah. Cause you automated 25 patients out of your 1500 patient database. Right. Right. I mean, you see that a lot, right? Do, do, do you ever get a little bit frustrated when you see a really good practice and they've got 20 or 30 or 40 people being monitored. And you're like, gosh, like if you just expanded this, imagine what it would do for your life.
1: Yes, I, I see that a lot. And I think one reason could be is that most of the time when offices grow, there's a lot of extra work that comes with it. You're seeing more patients, you're, you know, having to go through more alerts. But that's one reason that I believe in remote response, and I think it could benefit anyone, is you can still grow your office and grow your remote monitoring without feeling like you have all this extra work and you have to hire all these extra people. So,
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And and the whole point of what we're doing, folks, at least here at Remote Response, what we're trying to do is make it so that you can use remote monitoring, at least right now dental monitoring, where your teacher patient to scan and we take care of everything else, the dashboard. And it looks, we're working through your dashboard. So they think we're coming from glass orthodontics or Krieger orthodontics or whoever it is. I like that glass orthodontics. Yeah. a nice ring to it, yeah. <laughs> um, but we're working through your dashboard. So they never know any difference. And we let them know, yeah, okay, great. You lost your third aligner or, you know, you're on vacation and you can't, you don't know what to do next. You know, we're going to make sure you get back into the office. So let me connect you to the scheduling coordinator right? And the scheduling coordinator just looks at her every morning. They just look at their to-do list. And, you know, there might be 10 things on the to-do list instead of 100 things on the to-do list. So they see 10 things, they take care of those 10 patients and call them or schedule them, and it all works out great. So the goal is you teach them to scan, you schedule patients, and otherwise you do very little in between, right? Just do ortho. What are some of the things in setting up a dashboard for remote monitoring, Jenna? What are some of the things or or best practices, any advice you give people when they're setting up their dashboard? Does it need to be overly fancy? Does it need to be pretty simple? You know, what kind of things would you recommend based upon what you've done? Because you set up the dashboards personally right now for every office that comes in a remote response. So you get to see everything. Give me some do's and don'ts if you don't mind. And I'm sorry for springing this question on you as a surprise.
1: I would say keep it simple with how many protocols you have, but Inside of the protocols, there's so many things that you can do, so many different alerts that, you know, you can tell it to pick up on. So I would say, keep it simple with the protocols, have your aligner, have your braces, you know, maybe even have retention or things like that. But when you dig into those protocols, definitely take a look and see how much you can have come through and how much you can monitor. And of course, with remote response, the more the better. We right. you know, our our remote monitoring specialists love love doing that. So, the more the better there, but if you're your own office and you're starting out, um I would just say to keep keep it a little bit simple with the protocols, but try to monitor every patient that comes in. Um try to give every patient a scan box and and give them the chance to scan because that's how you're really going to grow your remote monitoring and that's what's going to get you to not seeing as many patients in office or even just those 10 minute checks, you can do that through a screen and looking at their scan. You don't have to bring them in and the patient doesn't have to spend time coming in. And most of the time they love it. So
0: whenever I hear a doctor go, but my patients love coming to see me, I'm like, get over yourself. (laughs) Like, Like seriously, like who on earth ever said, I I have a regular day scheduled. I can't wait to break up my day to go in for a 10 minute appointment to my orthodontist. Now, there are some older folks in my practice who don't want to do remote monitoring, and I get that. But n- when you give people remote monitoring, they're so thankful for it. And the other thing that you mentioned that was important is not just your life gets easier, but you increase capacity. So if you're seeing 60 or 70 or 80 patients a day, that's great. And let's just say you have four assistants, right? For, for 70 patients a day, give or take, I would like four assistants. Someone calls in sick, you got a tough day ahead of you, or two people call in sick. The nice thing for me is, if you free up those 10 minute appointments if you free up certain retainer checks if you free up certain things that are in there all of a sudden all of a sudden you've got room to put more patients in there you've got right. more capacity so if you're working at 120 like i know two doctor offices that are doing 140 160 patients a day right they've got you know 10 chairs 12 chairs they've got 3 tcs you know if you free up You're able to transition over six to 12 months, your entire office onto some form of remote monitoring. You're going to have so much capacity in your practice to just keep feeding more patients in. And you'll be able to see way more patients than you would have just with remote monitoring itself. And so, um, yeah, I I love what you're doing, Jenna. I love how you've trained. I mean, there's so many things here that people pick her brain because she knows how to train clinical team. She worked at Fishbine, so she knows best practices that work there. She's now working in remote learning, right, with remote assistance for a company that six months ago, you didn't have the slightest clue about any of this, right?
1: Right, exactly. I've learned a lot.
0: Oh, yes. And so this has been a really great experience working with Jenna because to see somebody just like you bring in an assistant fresh off the street who doesn't know anything about it, for you, this was a scary first step to jump in and do something new. And with the help of some people on the team who understand remote learning and understand you know, some of the AI-based stuff that's out there, it was amazing to see how well you adapted to all of this. And it was because of that that she'll be speaking at the Ortho Ignite conference in uh, March. And um, for those of you who don't know what that is, we had the Resonance Summit that we did last year, um, but I decided this year... Rather than give it to residents, we're going to give it to new docs. So if if you're somebody who, I don't know, you want to run your own practice, but you're an associate right now. Uh, maybe you recently started a practice. Maybe you want to transition from an associate to a partner. Maybe, you know, you're just a young doc, you know, a few years out of school. Um, we're not checking your credentials. We're not going to beat you up over it, but it's a Friday night dinner and networking, which is always a blast. And it's a Saturday, like 8 a.m. to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3.30 in the afternoon. It's really a hardcore six and a half hours of CE that you'll miss. You know, you'll come in on a Friday afternoon. You'll leave on a Saturday afternoon. You'll be home for the weekend. And Jen is going to be teaching, really going much more detail about effective systems for training your team. But I'm going to be talking about how to hire the right people. Uh, David Harris is going to talk to you about security and how to get good security in your practice. Kyle Fagel is going to talk about uh, social media, SEO. Jamie Reynolds is going to run about, talk about running an efficient practice. We got Trevor Nichols, Grant Collins, Alyssa Carter. I mean, I got you. If you're a younger doc, this is a remarkable lineup and it's limited to 200 people and it is dirt, dirt cheap. This is not a moneymaker. I forget the price, but it's like, a hundred bucks, $150, 200 I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's really inexpensive. This is not a moneymaker, people. This is giving back to try to help. I just don't want to lose money on it. So it's the hotel is really inexpensive. You can fly in Friday afternoon, fly back Saturday night and have an amazing time. Just go to orthoignite.com. It's orthoignite.com. And you will get a chance to rub shoulders with Jenna. She'll be there. She'll teach you how to train your team better among many other things. And uh, again, if people want to reach out to you now, Jenna, and learn more about Remote Response uh, or anything in general, what email should they hit you up at?
1: So, email me at Jenna at And that's
0: G H E Y N A, Jenna, right?
1: New, 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 new.
0: J E N N A.
1: You'd be surprised how many people mess up my name and think that it's Jenny or Jeannie. It's Jenna, J-E-N-N-A at remoteresponse.com.
0: Yeah. And and again, uh, she'll respond to you right away. Um, If you want to learn more about remote response, just hit me up or go to remoteresponse.com, submit your name. We'll reach out to you to have a call. I'm just telling you, five years from now, I see, not five years, 18 months from now, I see an overwhelming majority of practices doing massive amounts of remote monitoring. The hiring process is not getting easier. The training process is not getting easier. The length of stay that people are in our practices is not getting longer. Um, and I think not just remote monitoring, but with everything out there, automate as much as you can. Automate as much as you can from learning to monitoring, hiring, anything you can automate or outsource, do it because it's going to make your life immeasurably easier. And um, I just want to say thank you to you, Jenna, for being a part of my life. Um, for being as amazing as you are. Uh, I will say on record here, none of remote response could have been possible without you guiding it. And so thank you for doing that. And can't wait to see you in March. I know I'll see you sooner, but I can't wait to see you in March. I think evening of the 8th and the day of the 9th in Dallas. Um, Is there anything you want to add before you leave? Anything else you wanted to throw out there?
1: I think the only thing that I want to touch back on is just... Giving people the opportunity to learn—that's just really what I'm all about, and it's been amazing working with um, these people in the in the Philippines. Working with our remote monitoring specialists—they're so thankful. You know, it's night and day seeing them be excited about it versus even here in the clinic. You know, being here in the clinic. So I just, you know, if you're worried about something or you're not sure about somebody, I would just always give them a chance and that's, that's what I love is helping people learn and helping them succeed.
0: Well, you're really good at it. And it's really wonderful when you see somebody in their natural environment of where they should be. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I can't wait to see the things you accomplish in the next six months, a year, two years, but thank you for all you're doing, not just for me, but for the whole ortho community as a whole. And I know that when you talk, um, at, uh, ortho Ignite what you're going to be talking about is going to really help people get over that hump of let's train better. Let's hire better. Let's train better. Um, And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, you Dr.
1: Krieger. I could not have had this opportunity without you and I've learned so much.
0: Well, thank you. You're a blessing. Have a wonderful day and uh, we'll talk soon.